Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm tired, but that's okay. It's a good tire, so we're good. Um, I'm excited about this. I can tell you that. I don't know why, but... <laughs> I'm excited to talk with you. So well, I don't, yeah. do you have any questions before we get started? No, not really. I just know that um, I have depression and anxiety, and every single day... I've actually listened to one of the podcasts. So I go walking and I listen to one and it really helps with the anxiety piece for me because um, I'm one of those people that just anxiety is very real. And so I just wanted to say that ahead of time. So I really enjoy the podcast and I, I'm glad it's there. Um, and I've learned a lot through the podcast. And um, Thank so that's you. just, you're welcome. I just, you know, and I, I know a lot of people in this world don't do things for accolades and I feel like I know that you're one of them but I do feel like I just wanted to make sure that you knew that so thank you so much for for listening <laughs> right for spending that time to truly it's about self-care in that regard right because you know yourself and you know you have this issue with anxiety which is a very common thing for MS yeah, yeah. It, it, the older you get, the the more I realize it. So I guess I think the older you get too, you kind of understand yourself a lot better than you did your young self. So yeah, for sure. But, so my gratitude is really truly to you for taking care of yourself. Oh well, I I'm trying, but it's, it's MS is uh, as you know, it's a beast. So, but it's good. So Indeed. we're good. So why don't you tell us about your experience with MS and your diagnosis? I, um, I was diagnosed in 2008. Um, I actually, in 2004, I had my son and I did not have feeling on my left arm. And I kept telling the doctor for months that my, the feeling in my left arm, it wasn't just my hand, it was my whole arm. It never came back. And they kept telling me it was where they put the IV in my hand. And um, that's all I ever got from that. That was never, you know, nobody ever really tried to figure out what was wrong with it. Um, so then, and, and even to this day, I have like, it's not my whole arm, but it's my hand. And I have this weird sensation in my hand to the point where it affects your motor skills. And the only way I can explain it is if you put your hand on something cold or hot, I can't tell you that I would actually feel it. Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we try to explain things to people, but yes. not him. And, and that's the only way that I can actually explain it. Um, but after that, uh, in 2008, my husband and my family and I went to the cabin in the mountains and I got in a hot tub and and then when we got home, I started to go numb 
and the sensation started in my feet and it started tingling. And I called the doctor, of course, and I was like, oh, the doctor's going to tell me, you know, just wait, you know, two weeks out, we'll have an appointment. They're like, you need to come in as soon as possible. Oh. And I was, I was like, really? I was like, okay. So I wasn't expecting that, but I went in. And I know a lot of people, there's a huge lapse in time with between the symptoms and their diagnosis. Right. But after that, it only took them, it did take several weeks, but I was finally diagnosed with MS. But what happened was it started at my feet and went all the way up to my neck. So I was completely numb from my neck down. Yikes. And I had actually called the doctor that had done my blood work on that Sunday because, of course, everybody's closed. And he says to me, he says, well, your blood work is fine. And I said, well, I'm, that's great. But I'm telling you, I continually it, it's like moving up my whole body. And they couldn't, again, you know, they really couldn't tell me. And it wasn't until I went into my general practitioner that she said, well, you, we need to have an MRI. We need to look at your brain and your spine. And, you know, I think for me, when you see fear in a doctor's eyes, Mm. that's a big deal. And, you know, I don't, I can't speak for other people, but I can, I can pretty much read the doctors a lot now. And I try to read them and I could see fear in her face. And I just kind of knew then there was really something going on. Sure. So, mm, sorry. Yeah. So, but I, and, and again, you know, that's when I got diagnosed and, um, and I was still teaching at the time. So, and, um, but yeah, that's kind of how the story of how I got diagnosed. It was a hot tub and my neurologist told me, cause he was older and he was, um, very experienced, of course. But he told me actually years and years ago, uh, that's kind of one of the ways they actually figured out if people had that or not is is hot water in a bathtub. So, um, you know, I don't know. Interesting. So in terms of like the body's reaction and even like holding on to that heat intolerance, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, that goes along with also the heat sensitivity with people. Um, I personally don't have exacerbations with the heat. I just get extremely fatigued with the heat to the point somebody made the comparison of a snowman melting. Um, so I was told that one time. But, you know, and, and of course, I've never taken I haven't I've only taken a couple of hot baths or warm baths since then. Um, so I was even scared to get in the warm water in the bathtub. But yeah, uh, so, you know, apparently that kind of will will set, you know, some symptoms going, There's the heat in the water. Um, but, I, you know, he told me I couldn't get back in a hot tub. And when I got diagnosed, he told me the only thing that he was te- he was going to tell me not to do was to be out in the heat. And he said, that's the only one thing I'm going to tell you not to do. So... Interesting. So then did they recommend you start a disease modifying therapy? They did. Um, and Dr. Gertzel, he was he was my doctor. Um, he actually stayed around for several years and then he retired. But he started me out on Abinex. And, you know, I know with these drugs, everybody has different experiences. And I do have a history of anxiety and depression. Um and I, you know, I started in 2008 being treated for that by a psychologist and a psychiatrist. So as far as right, that piece of my story, that's, you know, I kind of have taken charge of that. 
But with that said, Avenix really, really was a bad thing for me. And I, it it was just not good at all. I was uh, struggling every single day. And my kids at the time, Abigail was two and Trace was four. And I was teaching a full-time job. And, you know, the Avenix, I would take it on a Friday and it had it was in shot form. This wasn't, of course, oral medication. It was the shot. Mm-hmm. And I would and I'm a visual person. So on Fridays, I would visualize in my van taking the medication. When I got home, I would take it and then I would know the whole depression cycle would start all over again. And I would sleep for Saturday and Sunday and I would be in pain with flu like symptoms. My husband would take care of the kids and I would go back to work on Monday and I was greeted with happy people, of course. And they're mm-hmm. like, how was your weekend? And I just said to them, great. It was awesome. You know, because, you know, people with MS probably do the same thing. You're not going to tell somebody, oh, I slept on the couch all weekend. I had right. flu like them. I couldn't take care of my kids, but I've got a husband that did take care of my kids. So, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's just in society, they mean well by asking and it's a social thing, um, and it's more of a greeting. But on the flip side of it, um, you know, I'm just like, I, you know, I, I don't think you want to hear about me laying on the sofa for two days. And I was so depressed, and I really want to stress the depression piece is I watched the same movie over and over and over again. Um, I laid on the sofa. That's what I did. And my depression was so bad, I could not transfer the clothes from my washer to my dryer. And that was a red flag for me. But but when you're in the moment with a depression, you're on the inside. You know, it's only the people on the outside of the storm looking in. And I've got really a good support system around me. But unfortunately, there was nobody that stepped up and said, this is not good for you. Mm. You can be taking this because it's really causing you to be depressed. In their defense, I don't know that they knew how bad it really was for me. Sure. Except so, um, and even then, it was a huge stress on our marriage um, because I honestly, my dad asked me when I went off to Avenix, I was on it for two and a half years. And he asked me, he says, how do you feel now that you're not taking Avenex anymore? I said, I feel like I'm coming out of a coma. I Mm. said, because I truly believe I was trapped in my own body. Mm. And that, and I personally have never been in a coma. I don't know of anybody that's ever been in a coma. I just can say, I honest to goodness felt trapped inside my own body. And it, honest to goodness, just, it really drove me crazy. And I had really negative thoughts um, about, and I told my dad this, and this is kind of deep, but when I was driving my van without my children, I would always visualize myself going across the double lines into an oncoming vehicle, like a transfer truck or something. Mm. And I'm a spiritual person, and I know personally in my heart I would never do that. But for me to think that every single day and 
thinking it visually, um, again, that was a red flag, but you're inside the storm and it's hard when you're inside the storm. And, um, you know, Avenex just was not good for me at all. And I told myself that I was going to wait until they came out with a different medication, preferably oral, until, you know, when I came off Avenex. Sure. So there was a part of me that in my mind, I, I did have, you know, it mapped out a little bit and I knew kind of where I wanted to get to. Um, eventually, that's kind of where I shifted into Jelenia and stayed on Jelenia for a year. Did not help. I had activity with Jelenia. And then that's when I went on Tass Aubrey. And so how was your mental health during those transitions? My mental health was really good because counseling was my saving grace. And I truly mm. believe my psychologist saved my life. I truly believe that. I still go see him, but not as much. But I make sure I stay in contact with my psychiatrist um, because of medications and stuff like sure. that for the society. But my mental state was was a lot better because I felt like, I mean, I felt like my eyes were open for mm. the first time half years. And I think the biggest part of that also is I left, I lost two and a half years with my children. So from like age four to at least about six, six and a half, I didn't have a relationship with my children mm-hmm. from grace. And from two to four and a half, I didn't have a relationship with my Abigail. I lost two and a half years of their life. I could I could not have a relationship with people. I could not talk to people. I mean, I was I was really in in not a good space. So um, so far as my mental, it was a lot better, and I feel like the people around me saw that it was a lot better. But I have to say, um, you know, I feel proud of myself because I did go to the counseling. Yeah, and. I did try because I was teaching. Um, the only reason why I woke up was for my children mm. because I knew I had to go take them to school, you know, and so that's what actually kept me going. But nobody did that for me. I actually was the one that did that. I, you know, went to the psychologist. I started going to the psychiatrist. So, you know, I I feel proud of myself. Yes, warrior. Yeah, even though. It was like the worst time in my whole life. Of course. Um, and you're trying to hold things together as best you can, especially being a parent. Um, you know, I I have to say that, you know, I took care of my mental health. And um, I appreciate the medication kind of getting me to a point. But at what cost is what I ask the question of myself. Of course. You know, um Because in life, you don't get that time back with your kids. You don't get that time back with parents, you know. Or memories. And yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And it's like I will see pictures of them during that time. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Mm. It's it's really like I did not live those two and a half years of my life. Truly. I'm so glad you found your way out. Thank you. Thank you. So glad. Um, and I'm sure your family is so glad too. And it's amazing that others could see the difference so vividly too. Yeah. And they really could. And and I think, um, especially now that I'm further out with it, 
you know, I've got two brothers and one of my brothers really saw me be that way. Um, because originally when I told him with HSCT, I talked to him about the other medications that I had taken. He was like, yeah, I've seen you on those things, you know, so they, they truly knew how bad it was for me and they lived that with me. It's amazing. You had such a great support network. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a good family, um, and, um, a good husband that really takes care of my children. Um, and his parents really stepped up for me. And honestly, they took care of my kids what I couldn't. And I think the hardest thing about this disease is losing that with your kids. Mm. Um, you know, because I can deal with the disease. I can deal with this, this, this. But for me personally, I think I want my biggest thing to be known for in my life is just being a good parent. Of course. Um, you know, and, and so I, that really meant a lot to me. So I was really worried about that because I'm like, and, and it's not something you can help, you know? Um, and, but yeah, and I think people around you understand that, but at the same time also, you know, MS is that snowflake disease, the invisible disease. So there's also those people out there that just look at you and like, you know, I don't really think you're sick. Sure. Uh, judgment. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I had those people judge me and it, it made me angry for a really long time. Of course. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me angry for you. <laughs> so, you were doing it, your best, right? And that's. I, I really was. And, you know, I was really struggling. And even now we struggle with, you know, the disease and stuff. And people just, and I understand they won't get it unless they live it. But my response to them was, please don't judge me unless you have this disease mm. and you have lived my life. And then you have, I give you the authority to judge me. But unless you live this, then I'm asking you not to do that because it's just not fair to those people. And you know, I send my kids to school every day and I've always told them there are kids that are going to act some kind of way in the classroom. But always remember that there's seven and a half hours of their day, probably the best moments of their whole days in that classroom. Mm -hmm. and, and there are things outside that affect them that you'll never know about. So you always keep that in the back of your mind. Right. Um, yeah. My daughter noticed someone um, in her class recently, just, just noticing a change in him. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah. something really bad might have happened to him and, and you don't know. Mm -hmm. So just create that space for him to go through this right now. And, you know, and, and for kids and I don't know how old she is, it's hard for them because they're so young. Right. To that because they've got other kids around them just making generalizations by just saying this, this, and this, because that kid is different, maybe. Um, but that's what I tried to teach my kids. I said, whether I was like, sometimes their brains wire differently and they can't help that. You may think they're weird. That person may think they're weird. But at the end of the day, there's something going on inside their brain or inside their home it's just it's out of their control but right. you know, it, it, it's it's kids like that that 
And, and I feel like my daughter more so than my son. My son is just very quiet. So he really, you know, he just kind of is in the background a lot. But my daughter in particular, you know, I saw her sitting, I'll never forget it. I saw her sitting on a slide with one of the kids that I knew to be very, um, not, she was not liked because she was weird. And we had a party and I noticed my daughter was sitting on top of the slide with her. And that's just the way my daughter was, you know, even in preschool, there was a little boy there with a brain injury and she was the one that helped him on the computer. Mm, Beautiful. You know, so, so, but, you know, I think there are things, good things that come out of the situations that we are put in, in our lives. And I feel like for me, that was one, because I feel like they're going to grow up understanding the difficulties of other people and understanding that there are outside influences that people have no control over. Um, and honestly, that's pretty much everybody, you know, right. Right. Autoimmune disease or not. Mm-hmm. So they're going to they're going to go through that crisis. And but, yeah, I you know, um, the whole judgmental thing is it's really hard. And, um, you know, I that's one of the kids are my passion. And one of the things that I really wanted to teach them is that, you know, try not to judge people. Sure. Yeah. And just modeling that right for others. Yeah. And and, and it sounds yeah. like your family's really good at helping to model that as well. They are. They are. And, and, you know, that's where I hope when they get older, then, you know, they'll remember that. And I feel like they will. Sure. And as they age, yeah. And watch you go through HSCT even. So you mentioned you talked a little bit with your brothers about HSCT. How did you even come to find out about HSCT as an option? I have a good friend. Um, she actually, like I said, I was a teacher for nine years and her daughter was in my second grade classroom during the time I was going through getting diagnosed. The parents knew that there was something going on. Um, they were just told that, you know, I was having some tests and really didn't know what was going on. And her daughter was in my classroom that year. And, you know, I I personally believe that people are brought into your life. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of coincidences. I think things happen the way they're supposed to. And so anyway, so that was when I got diagnosed. Well, a couple of years later, when I'm not teaching, my daughter is at the same school and my daughter is in second grade and her daughter, her other daughter is in second grade and they become fast friends And they're spending the night together. And my daughter says, Mom, Maya's mom's just like you. And I was like, why? She was like, she has MS. I was like, no, she doesn't. She was like, no, she doesn't. I was like, no, no, she doesn't. She was like, Mom, she has MS. I said, okay. So I saw her roll through the car rider line. And I think I saw like a tag or something that said MS on it. And I said, well, maybe she does. And then we met at a play. Um, our daughters want to play and my, our daughters had been spending the night together, but we had not reconnected. And um, so we saw each other at the play and she was her mom. Maya's mom was walking with a cane and she came up to me and she said, you know, I heard you were diagnosed with MS. And I said, I was. And I told her about it. And she proceeded to tell me her story and, you know, about her lesions. And her case, unfortunately, was a lot more severe than mine. 
I have been told I'm not sick enough, by the way. I will sure. insert that. <laughs> right. but, but no, I was like, I have to put this in there. Talk about judgment, but, right? Yeah. They're like, you're not sick enough to have HSCT. But anyway, so she, um, we proceeded to have a conversation and I told her, I said, I've got a really great neurologist. I'll give you his name, give you his number. And, and she, we started having infusions together and we were seeing the same neurologist together. And then uh, five years ago, she was with Dr. Burt and she had HSCT with Dr. Burt and she did have it on a compassionary basis. And, you know, and I was so happy for her. But at the same time, I was so jealous of her because I was like, I want to go. I want to go. I was like, I want to have this done. But, you know, so I, we supported her and that's how I heard about HSC. So did you and go I, for an evaluation? I didn't. I sent the information in and unfortunately they just told me, you know, you, you, you just really don't qualify for the study and, and things like that. And I figured that I wouldn't and it was fine. Um, but I just kind of accepted it and rolled on with the punches. And I don't know that even if I had been accepted, I don't know that I would have actually gone through with it, to be honest to you, because that was five years ago. And um, that's a long lapse in time. And I feel like there's a lot more out there now just based on, uh, I, I think, you know, just like with anything, research, it, it continues on. So I think there's a lot more research here now than it was five years ago. Um, so I think that's a positive. But but yeah, I did not qualify. And honestly, I don't know that I would actually have heard about HNCT without her because she's been very vocal about it. And um, I've followed her, you know, we chat and just different things. So that's, that's how I heard about it. Um, and honestly, without her, I can tell you, I, there's, I would have never think of HSCT to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, so what's leading you in that direction now? My kids are older. Uh, my daughter is, uh, 15 and Trace is 17. So that's one thing we're okay. Financially, I'm no longer working, so I don't have to worry about a job, leaving a job. But I think right now for me also, they took, they took me off Tysabri and they took me off Tysabri because I tested, um, for JC virus. And I not only tested positive, but it was kind of off the charts high. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they actually made me go for an MRI with contrast to make sure I did not have PML. Uh, of course, I did not have PML. But how did that uh, feel? It was very scary. Um, you know, it's kind of like in my heart. I kind of, I feel like, you know, when you're sick and I feel like, you know, when you're healthy. In my heart, I felt like I was okay. But there's always that moment where you're like, uh, maybe you're not, yeah, you know, yeah, because you're getting tested for a reason. You know, there's no reason they just ship you off for an MRI, right? you know, so it was very scary. I had to tell my parents and I try to be mindful of what I share with my kids because I don't want them worried about me, but I also want them to be informed. So, um, so, you know, you have to tell people these things and so, so they know, you know, what's going on. And so, of course, I did not have PML, but it was very scary. Um, 
to have that done. And so that's another reason why I thought HSCT was good because they were pulling me off Tysabri. How long had you been on it? Years. I mean, I have been on it at least six plus years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been on it for a really, really long time, and I've never tested positive for the JC virus. Hmm. So I can and, see where suddenly they're concerned. Yeah, because like I said, it wasn't only that I tested positive. It was, you know, it was like a really high level to the point where it's just it was dangerous for them to continue to keep me on it. So so that's when I was like, well, maybe now's a good time for me to transition. And it's a good time for me to do this because I'm coming off this medication that I've been on forever. Sure. So did you talk to your doctor about HSCT at that point? I did. I mentioned it and he kind of giggled at me and said, you're not sick enough and let's try this other medication. And I said, okay. But in my heart, I kind of knew already that I was going to go for HSCT. At that point in time, I wasn't a hundred percent, but I feel like I was like 85% there. And, but he kind of giggled at me and he was, again, like I said, he said, you're not sick enough. It was like I've had people that have gone for HSCT and have uh, found themselves in the hospital with severe infections. So I was like, okay, you know, I kind of honestly, I didn't really take take a lot of credit in that comment, to be honest with you. I probably should have, but I didn't. And I came home and because, again, he also knew my friend that had HSCT. Mm. And and he said he said, well, she's she's a dreamer. Um, is what he said. So I was kind of, I just kind of dismissed him because I was like, at the end of the day, you're a neurologist. You've never had MS. So therefore, I'm going to do what I'm going to do based on my decision and not based on how you feel about it. And, you know, they've tried to contact me and I'm kind of at a point where I need to send that email. But but I'm one of these people, it's really hard for me to stand up for myself. And so I, I haven't really had the opportunity to say I'm having HSCT. So that's one of the things I'm kind of struggling with right now is I want to be able to say I'm having HSCT. I'm sorry you don't agree with it. Because I can tell you right now he's not going to take me seriously and he's probably going to drop me as a patient. Mm. And me personally, I think one of the reasons why I haven't is because I get into my own head a lot and I don't want that negativity with me. Um, I just don't want it. Um, not from him, not from anybody else. Sure. I think we have so much negativity in our own minds. I just don't want it from anybody else. And I don't want it to affect my attitude going into this. So that's that's kind of how I justify it. But yeah, he was you know, not receptive. And so then he wants to, he wanted me to put me on some kind of medication I've never heard of before. And it comes with a black box warning for cancer. And I'm like, he, I don't, I don't know if he knew this or not, but I had a procedure recently to test for cancer. Um, I had a mammogram come back abnormal. I had to go to the hospital, have a procedure, um, to determine whether or not I had cancer. So I've been through that part of it. And he's like, well, don't worry about 
you know, that he was like, I don't think there's anything to it based on this study. And this is why, and, you know, he had he had his reasons and, mm. and he's the doctor. So, you know, I'll, I'll trust your reasoning. But at the same time, you know, I personally am not OK with taking something that comes with a black box warning. Sure. Um, again, for me, it's a mental thing because in my mind, I'm going to be like, cancer, 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 because my brain, it won't cut off. It's just like it it gets stuck on things. And I honestly feel like I would get stuck on the cancer piece of it. So for me, I was like, okay, so here's the thing. I can go and have HSCT, um, lose all my hair. Um, I've done the research. Um, You know, I, I, I personally think it's a good thing. And based on the research, and I feel like I don't want to take this medication. So therefore, I do feel like this is the better option for me. Because at the end of the day, I know regardless of the medication I'm taking, I will not get better. I will get worse. And I feel like everything has been put. This is what I told my dad. I said, I feel like every moment in my life has led up to this moment. Mm. And I feel like everything since 2008 has fallen into place for me to be in this moment for a reason. Um, you know, I, I had, uh, we, you and I have been emailing each other. We just sold our house. Right. So my husband, we are actually living in a house that his parents used to live in and they're not going to charge us to live here. And, and in our state, I don't know about any other states, but we're in North Carolina and so the housing market is crazy here, like it in a good way for right, people right, that yeah. <laughs> not for people that are trying to buy houses. So we actually got above and beyond um, what our house was worth. We got a really good due diligence um, money. So honestly, I really have not done any fundraising and we took our savings and I did, my friend that had HSCT did a GoFundMe and raised some money, um, but not a lot, which is fine with me um, because honestly, there's a lot extra in my life right now. Not that I'm a millionaire, but we have the money to do this without having to do a lot of the fundraising. Which is um, amazing. That's fantastic. It is because honestly, I I can't speak for other people with MS, but for me personally, you know, we have so much on our plate anyway, and just having to fundraise. I know there are people that have a good support group that are able to help them do that. I personally am just kind of fatigue is a very real issue for me. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, it is so bad for me. And my neurologist had to look me in the face and say, you do realize fatigue is a disability, right? And I was like, actually, I don't. Because as a society, nobody recognizes fatigue. No. You know, so so it, he actually blew my mind when he said that because I was like, no, I don't believe it's a disability. He was like, oh, it, it's a disability. And he was like, if you continue teaching and you push through this fatigue, he was like, your MS is going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're not going back to work. So, but with that said, that's one of the biggest reasons why I just, I've had the luxury of not having to fundraise. And I, that's a big deal because, you know, people with MS, I mean, MS is a beast and 
it, it comes at you. It doesn't matter your situation in life. And it, it just comes at you. And, and it's with you every single day, every single moment. Doesn't matter if you're fundraising. Doesn't matter if you've got a two-year-old you got to take care of. Um, so I was very blessed with things falling into place the way that they have at this at this point in my life. Sure. So where are you where are you planning to go for HSCT that you might even need to fundraise? Um, clinical release, uh, and I'm very again I've done the research there. Um, I've heard a lot of good, positive things about Clinica Ruiz. I've uh, listened to podcasts and different testimonies of so many different people that have had positive experiences there. I have had negative reactions about the whole Mexico thing, mm-hmm. and I think I'm not in that category by myself. And and I, I am I'm at fault as well, because when I first heard about Mexico, I was like, there's no way I'm going to Mexico to have this done. And so I really had to backpedal because, again, I did my research and, you know, I'm guilty of judging Clinical Ruiz based on it being in Mexico. Um, and they've proven me wrong. You know, um, it's it's a very reputable place. And that's all I think, they do. It's their focus. Right. It's Yeah. And that's and that's a big deal because, I mean, you know, you can have five things on a list, but if you only focus on one, you're going to do so much better on that one thing than you are all five of them, you know? Um, and I think as of right now, they've done 1200 patients. I'm not for sure, but I think it's around 1200 and I'm excited. At first I thought there is anxiety associated with it. Of course. But at the same time, I'm excited and I feel like that I wouldn't be excited if I had that doubt in my mind. But in my heart, again, and and in my gut, I'm like, this is a good place and this is a good thing. And I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't feel that way about it. Sure. Well, and it helps. I think that you've also got a close friend who's been through the procedure. Yes. And that makes a huge difference because I can visually see what it's done for her life. Mm. Um, and it's like, I I saw her in the grocery store and we were just chatting and I was like, so if you had to do this all over again, would you? And she was like, yeah. I was like, so you feel better? She was like, yeah, I, I don't wake up feeling like I'm kicked in the face every (laughs) single, (laughs) you know, and, um, because I asked the questions and, you know, and, and like you're saying, that makes a huge difference when you do actually have someone that you know they have that has had it done, and they're five years down the road, and you've seen the results of HSCT. You know, it's one thing if people hear the negativity, but you know, unless you can back up what you're saying, which as of right now, there's not a lot of folks out there that can. There's evidence out there. I mean. It's people that have had this procedure done. And unfortunately for them, they can't contradict a human body that's walking that's had HSCT because they are a living example of how it does work. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, you know, that part just frustrates me a little bit and angers me a little bit because, again, I kind of know, I feel like I know where a lot of that stuff comes from. But, but yeah, I I chose Clinica Ruiz. 
and and you chose it over even Duke University, which is nearby, at least yeah. in North Carolina, right? Yes, and see, I tried. I went and actually saw a neurologist recently at Duke University because I again do the research. I wanted to hear what she had to say, and she's actually participating with the BMS trial. I think that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Cleveland or is it Cleveland Clinic is, yeah, the lead investigator. But there's 20 different clinics around the United States who are participating. And I think that study is just going to blow HSC too wide open. And I'm not I don't know that for sure, but I just feel like it is because it's a six year study. And I told them, I said, look, I said I because it was the day before I was supposed to pay. I said, I really need to talk to somebody if I qualify for this study, I don't mind being in it for six years. I said, because one, I've got two children and I can't guarantee you that neither one of my kids won't have MS one day. And I said, I do believe in the research. And I said, so if I qualify for it, you know, I'll take the medications or I'll have the stem cell procedure. It really, it, it matters to me, but it doesn't matter to me because for me personally, at the end of the day, the end goal is to be able to get people to a place where they can actually have this done here in the United States. Sure. But unfortunately, I didn't qualify for it. And uh, they, they really had a long conversation with me. And again, I spoke to the neurologist uh, Everett Duke. But yeah, and that's, you know, we're known for the city of medicine. That's what we're known for. And the HSCT has been performed for years and years and years. And for us not to have it here, I just, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it because I don't, in my personal opinion, I don't feel like there's justification for it not to be here already. And that's just me and my personal opinion, you know, and, and I've been listening to your podcast too. And, you know, I thought about the whole neurologist thing. And I get the fact, you know, that they're not taught this and, you know, they don't study that. But for me, at the end of the day, my saying has always been and always will be your actions always speak louder than your words. Mm. So if you have the best interests of these patients in your mind, in your heart, then you you don't have to, you know, practice it, but you can at least study it and push this along because, you know, Numbers speak, you know, and I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing that in our country. I'm not seeing that around me. I'm not seeing, you know, people trying to push for something to change. I'm not seeing that. What I'm seeing is you not trying to make an effort to make people better is what I'm seeing, because at the end of the day, you can tell me that you want to help me. But unless you show me that you're there to help me then I truly am not going to put a lot of credit in what you're saying to me. Sure. Even just to present all the options so that you can make a best informed choice. Correct. And don't tell people, you know, you're going to die. You're going to come back in a body bag. You're going to come back in a box or it's the worst mistake that you'll ever make. Or I don't agree with it. I'm not going to be your doctor anymore. Uh, I'm just, You know, I'm kind of like, well, that's fine, because I am not personally a risk taker. I am a glass half empty person. I always have been. But I have really decided that 
and I don't go against the grain. I just don't. I always go with everything, you know. But in this case, I truly believe I'm like, you know, I know they don't want to hear it, but I'm like, this is something that's a really good thing for people. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that know that. They're just choosing not to acknowledge it because we make more money with people being sick than we do with them being healthy. And I truly believe that. That's the tragedy. It is. Because I see the people that will not benefit any longer from having this done because they're so bad off. Right. I, I've, I've spent counseling sessions with them. Um, I've been in the infusions room with them, you know, and it's just heartbreaking because I personally feel like I'm the type of person, if I could take away your pain, I truly believe that I would. Yes. In my heart, I truly believe that I would do that. As a matter of fact, when I first got diagnosed, there was a 16-year-old that passed away. And it, took, it was really hard for me because I was like, why not me? I'm like, I've had my children. I've graduated from college. I've done this, this, and this. And I said, I'm still here. So why? You know, and you just, you kind of evaluate life and you look at people, you look at their situations, and you look at their circumstances. And... You know, you see people can't afford medication or treatment or what, whatever, you know, there's so many people out there um, that need this. And there's a lot of people out there that need it worse than I do. They'll mm-hmm. never be paid for it. And deserve to hear about it. Yes. And, and that's, that's the thing. That's why we're hear. here. Yes. And that was another reason why I chose to do it because... You know, like I said, my children mean everything to me. And I know parents out there, they love their children dearly. And the first question I asked my neurologist when he said I had MS, I said, what about my two kids? Because my only concern was my children getting this. I didn't know anything about multiple sclerosis. I couldn't say multiple sclerosis until six months into my diagnosis. I had to say MS, and I couldn't say multiple sclerosis. Um, Honestly, it took me half a year. But, you know, I'm doing this for awareness. I'm doing this selfishly for me. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my children. I truly believe in it. I believe in clinical release, regardless of the outcome for me. You know, I believe in this. I wholeheartedly believe in it. It's such an important place to get to. It is. It's a hard decision. Uh, I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on it, really think through it and try to make the best decision for them. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to get worse with this disease. MS does not get better unless, you know, you do something. The medication only goes so far. You know, I, I'm, I was diagnosed in 2008. And I'm just now, I'm on Tysabri, and now they're telling me I can't be on Tysabri. Well, now you're telling me I can be on this other medication. You know, it's just medication after medication after medication after medication. I mean, if there's anything out there that will be able to stop this disease in its tracks. And, you know, that's, for me, that's kind of the goal that I'm going into. In my heart, I'm like, oh, gosh, what if, what if it can, like, help with my hand or help with this or help with that. And then I have to slow myself down. Like, yes. is, is, 
stops the disease progression. That's the goal. I'm like that, that has to be your goal because I'm a mental person, like not mentally crazy, but like a, probably that too, but cerebral. But, how about that? <laughs> yes, cerebral. <laughs> I am like some of a deep, deep thinker for everything. It doesn't matter what it is, but and I look at it at every different angle. What could go wrong? What could go right? What do I need to do if it goes wrong? What do I need to do if it goes, you know, just your my brain just is always go, 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 go. But I have to tell myself as long as it stops the disease progression, then that's going to make me very, very happy because that is a huge deal for me and anybody else with a disease, whether it's MS or a different other kind of disease. Sure. So you've got the mindset down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Do you think you've gained another superpower as, <laughs> as you've, you know, prepared yourself for this decision? Um, I do. I, I feel like, honestly, I'm trying to train myself. Um, you know, as far as mentally, I'm trying to really train my way of thinking. It's such important work. It really is. I didn't realize, honestly, until the older I got, um, how important that actually is. And, and I think actually COVID is a big, um, reason why, because I would actually walk two days away, uh, two days every single day, because it, for somebody that has anxiety and depression, for me to be locked up inside a house with my whole family, I had to do sure. something. And so that was a part of my routine. But when I would go walking, I would process and I would think, you know, how do I want my day to be today? And I would tell myself, you have control over your attitude for the day. So even though if your day started really like a really bad day and it's only nine o'clock, I'm the only person that has the ability to change my day and I can make it a good day. Um, and I have the ability to do that. And everybody has the ability to do that. That's what I've been kind of teaching myself through COVID. And it's been really hard for me because I'm a negative, 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 negative person. It's also and hard for anyone. Give yourself that grace. It's hard for anyone to train their mind. I mean, it is. And, you know, and I didn't realize the impact that your mind has um, on your body and the impact that your thinking has on your body. And because it's it really, truly is a big deal. And I know that going into this, I have to have a positive mindset and I have to I just want to be in a good place. You know, and I'm the only one that has the control over that. Nobody else has the control. My neurologist does not have that control. Right. Uh, my husband, my kids, nobody has that control. Um, only I have that control. And yeah. You're so owning I, it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it, it's just weird because it's it's one of the simplest things you can probably teach yourself. But I don't think anybody actually stops long enough in their life to actually do that and to realize that you you truly do control your own destiny you truly do control your feelings and your emotions and how you view things and if it's if if that viewpoint is not one that you like you know figure out what you need to do to change it and know that you can change it 
even when people tell you you can't, that's just like the neurologist saying, you know, laughing you off or whatever. I'm like, it's okay that you feel that way, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I'm going to make my own choice and my own decision. Right, right. And I respect yours, but on the flip side of it, nothing you do or say is going to deter me. And I'm okay with that. And so um, you've paid, I think. And so you have a schedule and a date. I do. October the 25th. I've already paid. Um, coming up soon. Yeah, it is. And I'm using um, the resources that they have out there. And Clinical Ruiz has been very good to me um, trying to get through this whole process. You know, they've they've communicated with me. We had an issue with passports. Um, Dr. Ruiz sent me a medical letter um, to help get my passport in because I don't know if anybody else has that issue or problem at this moment. Mm. But we I think they were 18 weeks behind. But we do have our passports now. And so is so, your family going with you as caregiver or are you working with someone there? Yeah, my husband's going with me. I told him because I, I would hope I am not. Okay, so let me phrase this correctly. <laughs> You're not being selfish if you take someone with you. But the way I am, I don't want to take somebody away from their life for 30 days. Sure. Because me. So I would rather go and have somebody there that is already there to take care. Anyway, so yes, he's going with me. I gave him his out. He did not take it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, he's going with me. um, Going on Puebla or Monterey? Puebla. Um, And, you know, I've already connected with a couple of people that will be there and we're supposed to return November the 20th. And my husband's Um, parents are coming to stay with our children. Again, you know, I feel for those uh, people that leave their kids, I mean, that are young. I still believe it's the right decision to do, but I understand it's a hard decision, especially when your kids are that young. Sure. But mine are older. They can take care of themselves. They're teenagers. They don't want to see me anyway. So it's all good. (laughs) Yes, they do. They do. And they'll miss you both while you're gone. And so I'm sure you have plans to stay connected with them, right? We do. We do. We're going to stay connected. Um, I think we're going to try to watch some movies together. I don't know how you can actually do that, but I think that's the plan to kind of keep our little family unit together. I don't know, but um, but we'll be communicating with each other. And um, I recently discovered the what I think it's called WhatsApp. And um, you can actually um, chit chat with people, whether it be in Mexico or wherever. Yeah, um, there's for, no international fee. Yeah, that and it's pretty awesome. So yeah, so I'm sure we'll use that too. So we're all set. We're we're ready. Passports are good. Childcare is taken care of. We've paid for it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like you don't have any doubts. Is there anything that you're grateful for? about your experience with HSCT that's gone unspoken? Um, I, I think I want to say if I had to use one word, I would say hope. It's brought me throughout the last couple of months, actually probably the last five years since my friend has had it. It's brought me a lot of hope. Mm. Um, where with MS, there's not a lot of hope for us. Um, you know, and, and I know you see the commercials and, you know, Everybody wants to upplay, you know, your disease and everything. And I just look at that and I'm like, that's, that's just not realistic. It's not at all realistic. No. And it's like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm on a previous, I'm great. No. (laughs) Um, But for me, 
it's hope and it's making me hope that my life will be better. And we only get one of them while we're here. And, you know, I think that I really feel like HSCT is going to change a lot of lives. So, um, yeah, I, I hope it's a good thing. And I haven't had a lot of it, to be honest with you. I lost my job. I, you know, I couldn't sure. take care of my kids. Um, so, I mean, I've got a good life. Don't get me wrong. I've made the best of my life. But at the end of the day, um, I think people with MS understand that when I say MS is a beast, MS is a beast. Mm-hmm. And it will take everything from you. And it just, it sucks. It does. Yeah. Good for you for for <laughs> taking control back, right? It's uh for taking on that beautiful mindset and determination and doing the research and gaining the confidence and all the things you need to go through this with a healthy mindset and and truly the best outlook. You know, you're preparing and going into this with that healthy mindset that will truly get you through the tough times. And Yeah. And I think that I mentioned that when we were kind of emailing back and forth, right? Yeah. Like patience and yeah. adaptability is key, but also just showing up and doing your best work to control your reaction, right? Yeah. And stay positive. Yeah. That's, because at the end of the day, you're the only person that can control that. Yeah. And it's such mm-hmm. an important thing when you're going through HSCT. So. Well, it is because, I mean, it's, and I've, I've prepared my family as best as I feel like I can, because I know it's not easy and it won't be easy, um, but it will be worth it. So yeah, it, it will definitely be worth it. And, you know, I, I think my biggest thing, you know, just like with any parent will be my children. And, uh, but yeah, so just be positive and go in with the right mindset because, at the end of the day, I feel like that's sometimes more important than your physical body. Well, sure. And you can't control yeah. any of that anyway. And that's what the doctors no. are there for, right? To, <laughs> no, to help right. you care, to help carry you through it and make sure your body gets yeah. through it. So you do the yeah. important work of the mindset and the rest mm-hmm. will fall into place. Yeah, it will. It will. And so, so we've yeah. got to connect with you when you get home. I mean, I certainly. A few months yeah. after you're home, but it would be great to follow up and see how things go for you. I would love that because I truly want people to really know about this. And I feel like it's on the cusp of really blowing up. And I pro- blowing up is probably not good terminology, vocabulary, or whatever. But, but it's a good hope to have. I, I really, truly believe that to be true because I feel like there's a lot of people out there warriors that are determined that the word the word will get out and it's just like the mentality thing if you believe it it will be actually my best thing I can summarize that with was the self-fulfilling prophecy you know believe it to be true and um so yeah so but I definitely want to reconnect and um chat with you again and uh enjoy the podcast. And it- yes, well, thank you so much for listening and for sharing your story and your inspiration and all these strategies that might help others along their journey. I hope so. And um, thank you for for doing the podcast. You know, it's truly a privilege and an honor to just hold space for people to share their story and maybe 
help alleviate some anxiety. Like that was my initial goal and it feels good to be achieving it. And at the same time, there's so many more stories to be told. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing yours here today. Thank you. So take good care, Amy, and all the best in health and wellness to you. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.